Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you doing, buddy? Good. Great to talk to you today, Ryan. It is great to talk to you as well. We are fulfilling a listener request and also um, this uh, a, a request that comes at a, uh, at a propitious time. That's uh, true. For, <laughs> for, for one... Uh, there is the lead. So this is obviously you can see from the title. This is about where we're going to talk about retroactivity and uh, specifically the kind of retroactivity that um, is referred to by the word uh, Nachtraglichkeit in German that Freud uses. Um, but the That's project great. translates as deferred action. deferred action. Right. Yes, that is the and then uh, and Lacan will get into this. Lacan translates it as après coup in French. And then Jean Laplanche, uh, he uses it as to develop an idea of afterwardsness. And um, this idea, though, not uh, you, you said this, it's not named it, or, or, or Hegel doesn't say it specifically. But the, the, the idea, like the framework seems to go back to uh, to Hegel. And we're going to kind of put a bow on it by looking at that trajectory also through um, how uh, Slavoj Žižek employs the the term as well. All right. Yes. But, but for the propitious for the moment, okay. (laughs) Two, two, two two things. One thing, one thing less important than the other. Uh, The less important thing is that um, I have an article coming out, uh, I think next month on this very concept, on this very concept, continental thought and theory. It's um, wrapped into uh, seriality. Uh, and uh, trauma. Uh, so that's going to be next month. Um, but I think m- more. What, what is the uh, title of that essay, right? The title of that essay? Oh my God, you're going to make you me don't look know. it up. <laughs> I think it's from. I think. I think the title is something like um, "From Freud's Couch to Yours." Oh, that's colon, good. Colon, like that's, it's like psych- psychoanalysis as as, uh, as media theory or media studies, something like that. That's like, catchy. Because I talk good. about television and binging, and thank you. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I had some, uh, when I had I had it read by uh, a number of different people, and someone said, "Is this title too funny to, to put as an academic work?" And and I don't know that it's that funny, but it, maybe it's too funny for an academic. I don't know. Well, maybe I don't know, know, but that's about the best compliment you can get about a title. I, I think. I, you know? I think that is. I think that's true because usually yeah. they're just they're just a waste. Um, right. And uh, but more important, I think to to show, and I say this is more important because it shows that like this idea is very relevant. The current issue of Harper's, uh, the lead. Uh, but on the cover, it's is this. Um, it, you can see it in like a blue background. It says like against trauma, and the like um, feature article by uh, Will Self is, uh, which is called uh, a posthumous shock. I think yes, right? and it's which is, which um, is and, like in keeping with the title of this episode already, right? Just the title yeah. of his article, right? Yes, that is exactly right. And so he writes a lot about, um, he names Nachtraglichkeit, references Apre Coup, talks about Freud and trauma, trauma theory as well, Kathy Carruth and Shoshana Feldman, like this trajectory. And um, the, it's, a, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean. It's a, it's like a good article without an argument, I guess. I don't know. It's well, like that's a little oxymoronic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. This so is the definition I, of a good article that it has an argument. I don't it know. should have an argument. I think the claim. It's actually. I think the claim is that. Well, I think the claim in the article, and and this is something that's a little bit out there. So, um, so the, what the article does, I think, a good job about is is charting the trajectory of how trauma becomes defined. Because part of the claim of the article is that like this is a trauma becomes. Uh, 
it defined and concretized through modernity, which I think is a, a fact. That's not an argument. Right. That's a, right. That's, a, that's a statement of fact, a definitional fact. Sure. Um, where I think the, the, the article loses me a little bit is it's a bit, uh, I said this to you before the show, it's a bit post hoc ergo propter hoc, which is that like modernity defines trauma. Therefore trauma is a invention of modernity, which I don't think right. that tracks at all. Right. Um, and nor do I think that argument is supported in the piece itself. Um, and it ends with like, uh, today there are two, there's too much trauma. We, we say too many things are trauma in a very, right. um, in a very, uh, uh, casual, uh, or, or popular sense. And I like, uh, for example, the, one of the things so it's kind of like kinda, a, it's kind of like an essay against trigger warnings, right? Like, yeah, oh, I, I was think, traumatized uh, by this movie or this. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. And there's even a, a, a bit of the essay a little bit later that says that, like, you know, watching something, watching uh, violence is not the, 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 the will self-claims. Watching violence is not the same as violence having been done to you, which I would say that's, I think that is true on the one sense. But, like, uh, one of the things I teach in my TV class every time I teach it is, um, and it's grim, and I, I give a lot of warnings uh, uh, before beforehand um but is the challenger the the space shuttle explosion in 19 uh was it 85 or 87 which changed like legitimized the 24-hour news network that's part of the reason why i teach it because that that made cnn relevant uh as a network and and uh made the idea of 24-hour news relevant but also like if you if you listen to the coverage like they don't know what's happening like they continue to talk about like oh it looks like it's broken into a smaller shuttle like they're still covering it like it's fine long after everyone has died and it's real. it's traumatizing to watch this drama because the way live tv is supposed to work is that you're supposed to think like you're supposed to think that anything can happen but like not actually anything can happen the way live tv works is it's a curated experience and that doesn't make it not live it's like liveness is an aesthetic and that's what people want when they watch live TV. Like, like right. you want you you want the improbable within in, within boundaries. You don't want the space shuttle to explode. That's traumatizing. Right. So, right. anyway, um, and it's only and really and to fit in with what we're talking about here, you can apprehend that trauma of the space shuttle is like I teach it in the class. Like it's twenty twenty one. Like you like you look you you look back. You have this retroactive lens on it, and like what you you know listen to in. Uh, the footage that I think is like easily Googleable on, on YouTube is like you listen to the people covering it and they think it's fine. And that's the like, that's the traumatizing thing because like, you know, it would not be until later that they realized uh, what had happened. But this is almost, Tom McGowan, almost too big of an event to, uh, to, to start with this notion of trauma because I don't think anyone would dispute that the Challenger's uh, spatial right. explo- was a traumatic event. Right. Where Freud starts, and I know I think you wanted to start with with Hegel, but uh, just um, to put a pin in this, Freud starts at a much smaller, much uh, smaller. L- level, and that that is where psychoanalysis um, is actually, I, I think, against mm, I don't know popular notions of of trauma that focus on like the the bigness of the event or the incomprehensibility right. of like a large event, where what psychoanalysis as we're going to show is like focuses on is, is actually it's, it's in the mundane that something that, you know, is not articulatable or, 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 um, uh, I don't know, re representable, uh, to the, to the psyche. That's, that's, that's where the, the, the trauma lies. Uh, so, um, 
Let's start. Let's start our journey. Todd, start with, with Hegel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So has Hegel, no sense of trauma in his idea. So this is going to be no, a theme right. Too. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Right. So, 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 there's no sense of trauma unless history is a nightmare from which I'm trying to awake. Right. Like history. Nicely is the trauma. done. Hi- that history is the trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. or what's the Marx version? The the trauma or the the weight of all the dead generation sways like a nightmare on the brains of the living, something Very like that, good. right? Like, yeah. Yeah, so, so I think those, if you have some notion of that as history, then that, mm-hmm. then maybe that's the, that there's a link between that. But I think really for Hegel, it's about meaning, right? And it's about mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. narrative structure determines meaning. And this is, I think, will be almost as important for Lacan's understanding of mm. noctreglicite or retroactivity than Freud's understanding is for him. So so for Hegel, like the whole point is the from the phenomenology onward, so phenomenology, philosophy of right, encyclopedia, mm-hmm. logic, in each case, it's you're really telling the story from the standpoint of the absolute. And then the path that you go to get there, you always know where you're going because you've, you're starting from the end point. And the path that you go to get there is always a reconstructed path that will lead to that position. So it's for Hegel, it's not, and I think this is one of the main ways he gets misread as a progressive mm-hmm. historian, right, or mm-hmm. a progressive thinker. And it's really, I mean, the one who misreads him the most is Marx, right? Like Marx mm-hmm. reads history as a progressive unfolding and for Hegel, it's about how we tell the narrative of history always from the present position and tell it backwards. And so I think that's that's just the that's where the idea again, Hegel doesn't even use the term retroactivity or nectroglycite. Mm-hmm. He but but that way of thinking that it's where we end that determines the meaning of everything that's come before. That's why he can say history is the history of the development of the idea of freedom, right? Like, why can he mm-hmm. say that? Well, because freedom is the crux of the issue in modernity. If it wasn't, then that wouldn't, he wouldn't see the germs of freedom in Chinese society or in Greek society, right? Like, there he would see no, fr- like, it's only this end point that allows him to see retroactively these different uh germinations of the idea of freedom because of where we end. So Hegel is a film noir. Hegel is a film noir. That's right. That's right. So he's, it's like a, a voiceover flashback mm-hmm. narration. I think double that's indemnity right. detour, uh, even like, uh, Oh, out of the past. Po- is really Postman always rings this. twice is narrated Post- from the death chamber. Yeah, that's right? right. Like it's, that's right. So, so that I think you could say that, Hegel's philosophy is narrated from the death chamber. When, and that's true for double indemnity too. You know, the 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 uncensored ending was was Neff being executed in a in a gas chamber. I did not know that. You that's did not great. know that. That is true. I did not know that. That is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's great. I mean, the, the the reason why I said that is uh it's not every film noir, but most of them do have that like, you know, this uh, James Naramore has the uh like uh there's a reason why in his book, More Than Night, which is, I think, one of the more well-known books. on It's good, on too, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, the, uh, I, I think the first, it's either the introduction or the first chapter is uh, just 
uh, called This Is Where I Came In. Like, it's just such a well-known... It's a great, yeah, l- yeah. Like, line, like, trope yeah. from the, like, you know, this was going on, you had this, this, and then this is where I came in, right? Because right. you're telling the story from some position that has uh, a retroactive position that can make meaning, okay? Right. Because the idea, and just kind of nail down what you're saying, like, the the... And when you were saying Hegel as a, as a progressive thinker, it was not politically progressive, but as in like uh, a thinker moving of, forward. Yeah. Like, of like that, con- yeah. continuum. Right. Like, right, like, right, like, right, yeah, right. that the idea is you cannot in the this would be Hegel's position is that like you can't in the moment of something spontaneous unfolding make sense of it. You need some at least position of minimal distance to make sense of it retroactively, which I will go back to my example of live TV. That is why there is a little bit of a delay because you can't make sense of it in the exact moment of its spontaneous unfolding. Well, that is interesting, isn't it? That the the, the six second delay mm-hmm. in live television is ostensibly for pr- the sake of profanity. Yeah, right. But that's but right. That's what if it really? There. What if it really is for the sake of we need a Making little meaning. bit of a little kind of noctreglic. Uh, dimension to our spectatorship. That know? is my like, position. Have I never talked? Have we never talked about this? No, we've exactly, never talked about that. That that's, is exactly my position on live TV. That's that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I I once saw Orson Welles on the Dick Cavett show, and you can see all these. Oh my god! I know. Please talk about it. I love. I I've watched this many times. My dad had uh, uh, had the, had a DVD. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good, and there, you can yeah. really get them all on YouTube. And, and and like every moment of every one is is to cherish. I think, but mm-hmm. um, they're almost like Citizen Kane level great. <laughs> but but uh, so they're talking about. Wells says something like, "Can I say this on live TV?" and and Cavett goes, well, "It's okay because there's a there's a slight delay and there's a sensor that would block out that would bleep mm-hmm. out the word." And and Wells is perplexed. He's like, so, well, wait a minute. So it's not really live. He's like, and he goes, and Cavett's like, well, it's a little bit live, but it's a little, yes. a little delay. And then Wells goes, that's kind of like being a little pregnant, isn't it? And it's just a really, <laughs> it's a really really funny moment. But it's it's funny that we just totally accept that it is live, even though it does have this little lapse within it. And I think I really like that idea. I did not know to attribute it to you. That, that is, <laughs> that is it, this insertion of noctreglicite into the live. Well, it's, it's, I mean, and, and just to talk about it briefly, it, it's even unique amongst other things which are live because something like a Twitch stream or like a, like a live stream, like these things tend not to have cuts or, or at least the way that audiences want to see these things as like happening exactly as they're happening. So, so the, the, the aesthetic is different. So I, I, uh, or, or uh, depending on, uh, like, or I'll just put it this way, live TV, like the, like uses the cut and then these other like live stream, like these other things, they don't. And it doesn't, it doesn't I don't say that as a qualitative thing, but it's just right, as a, right. as a, as an idea, they're, they're doing very different things. Right. So, so that like, I think yeah. that leads to, I think, this idea from Hegel and you were hinting at it before that to 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 tell the story retroactively, to tell the mm-hmm. narrative retroactively is always to tell it with a cut. Right. And so that's yes. why mm-hmm. that's the difference between a progressive unfolding. And again, you're right to say not a political term progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference between a progressive unfolding and a retroactive telling is the retroactive telling is replete with rupture, like the moment of rupture, the moment mm-hmm. of cut, when 
if you're thinking about it in a progressive unfolding way, it's only going to be evolutionary, right? It's only going to be this leads to this, which leads to this, which leads to this, which leads to this, right? So there's Mm -hmm. no moment where there's just this fundamental cut or disruption that's only visible retroactively. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, I mean, I think that's the political reason why Hegel's invested in retroactivity. It's funny because I think most people would say it's a politically conservative gesture Mm -hmm. to always tell history from the present, right? Like, Mm -hmm. isn't that the critique of Stalinism? Like Stalin would send out new encyclopedia pages to people about the Russian encyclopedia because he'd say, okay, that person's been eliminated from history. So (laughs) put in this new page to cover for that, right? And so people are very critical of that kind of way of retelling the past from the perspective of the changed present. But I think really, even though Stalin obviously abused it, there's still something radical in that moment because it's through that dramatically different retelling that we register the the break that occurs mm-hmm. within history. Otherwise, if it's just pure evolution, which is, I think, how history is taught in school, right? It's taught as this pure evolution, this pure linear a, a notion, a linear notion of causality, mm-hmm. because it's told from the beginning to the end rather than from the end back to the beginning. You know, I think to to put it very very simply, it's the difference between um, and then, uh, and then and 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 but, right, right. right like right, you have a you, right. you have a and and then story of history. This happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. But retro retroactivity says uh, this happened, but. Uh, then this happened and that forces it's a, it's a stop, right? Right. Like, you know, we've been using these words, like it's like a break and it, uh, something like you, because you're doing two things. Like I think the, um, the linear causality model, um, I, I think part of the, part of the preference for that is it seems like more, um, Oh, I don't know what, like authentic to the, experience of people who are living through it i think which i think is um like a that that that's a, i think a tremendously non-dialectical way to think about things like you can of course like w- while something's happening like you can you can institute you can institute a break and a cut and and i think think about it right. um and, and you're not just kind of like along for the ride i guess so that's i think that's what the the end then linear causality model is like everyone's along for for this ride through this ride this crest of a wave right and that and right. um and it's almost like what stopped it then <laughs> like it's it's um, right it, right yeah. i mean it's it, i think it's so fascinating when you talk about it that way it does seem like it's the difference between phenomenology and dialectics right like yeah like phenomenology tells the story, and then because and this it's is immersed, not, this, hold on very quickly. This is not Hegel's phenomenology. This is phenomenology right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. The way everybody for, else uses the word. Thank yes. you for clarifying that. Right, You're like Husserlian, yeah, yeah. yeah. Merleau-Pontian, Vivian Sobchak, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Heideggerian phenomenology. Right, that 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 because that is from the perspective of experience. So just like mm-hmm. you said, like. In the, for the phenomenologist, you're just always along for the ride, or you are you are the ride, right? Like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. are the ride. Yeah. And and from that perspective, the cut in history doesn't 
seem apparent, right? Like no <laughs> one has ever felt it, I don't think, right? Like, yeah. like even yeah. if you're, just like you were saying, like I lived the Challenger disaster and I was in, I was in the lunchroom of my, I remember where I was. I was in the lunchroom of my university or college <laughs> when I heard someone's, I remember, even remember the guy that came and told me this, this really, the senior offensive guard on the football team came up and said, you know, the Challenger just blew up. And I, I, he was wearing white sweat. I mean, I can remember everything about it. Wow. You know? Wow. So, yeah. but even, even that still is experienced in an evolutionary, mm-hmm. you know, and then manner. It's only mm-hmm. through noctragalakite or retroactivity that you get the butt or the cut mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the dialectic, right? Like, so that's, mm-hmm. that's where I think. So I, because phenomenology is so tied to how, again, Husserlian phenomenology is so tied yes. to how we experience that it misses, that it always moves in this forward motion. That's why they're so concerned with time, right? Like mm-hmm. Husserl wrote a book called The Phenomenological Conscience, Inter- Internal Conscious, Consciousness of Internal Time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Heidegger, always being in time, always concerned with time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and so because it's about the unfolding of time, whereas dialectics is really about the moments where time gets interrupted and time seems to stop like the chiro the chiretic moment yes. within time i think mm-hmm. and that within chronos so i think that's that's a one other way to think about that opposition i think this is an excellent segue to uh, freud and his the first use and this will this does determine the way it, it's such an important concept at least to us um, but i mean as i said it was referenced in a harper's article um Surprisingly, in all the standard edition, deferred action four times. Um, Incredibly first, rare, yes. Inc- I know. And the fifth time, so this is the which is actually the first one, didn't occur till later, which I think is amazing, actually, because it's performative of the idea. Yeah, right, but, it performs the idea. Right. right but right. Freud first, um, you know, postulates the idea of uh, uh, noctragalakite retroactivity. We keep saying retroactivity, but in the standard edition, you will see it cast as deferred action. He first says it in the Project for Scientific Psychology, which remain, which he wrote in, that's... 1895. That, that's 1895, okay. So yeah. n- unpublished, even though Studies on Hysteria that he writes with Breuer comes out that year. Yeah, uh, project year. does. Yeah, Project does not t- come out until the 40s, is that right? Right, right, it's posthumous. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's... It, um, it gets published with the, um, with the letters to Fleece as under the title, The Origins of Psychoanalysis. Selected okay. letters. Oh, from nice. Fleece. So, yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. So uh, this is the line, which I quote in my article uh, f- uh, in for that's coming out next month. Uh, we invari- This is, so 356 Standard Edition, Project for Scienti- Scientific volume Psychology. One. Volume vo- 1. Vo- standard. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Vo- volume 1, right, even though it came out later uh, or was released to the public later. We invariably find that a memory is repressed, which has only become a trauma by deferred action. Uh, and this is italicized by uh, Strachey. Um, the cause of... This state of things is the, uh, and I'm not going to get into the rest of this because he uses words that will get me fired um, (laughs) at at this point, so you can read it yourselves. But, like, what he's talking about uh, is um, a patient named... uh, Emma, I think, only, right? Emma. I don't think there's even a a pseudonym last name. I don't don't believe so, yeah. A patient named Emma who has um, uh, a... So this is the this is the case that like she goes into she can't go into a grocery store alone. This is what happens. And he's trying to they're trying to figure this out. And uh she tells a, a story uh about 
Um, you know, I, I think he asks like what happened most recently is that she went into a shop alone and she heard shopkeepers laughing and then ran out. And so, and then they're in the process of. And Freud's like, that can't be the trauma. No, exactly. He just thinks like, that's just not like seeing other people laugh. (laughs) Although it's tempting to say that is the trauma, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing other people people (laughs) laughing is not sufficiently traumatic for Freud. Right, right. Well, because it wasn't like uh, they weren't laughing at her necessarily. Right. Yeah, right. She interpreted it clearly interpreted as having to do with her, even though it probably didn't. And so Freud's trying to figure this out. And then as the way that he writes it is that it's in the process of um, Emma's own like retelling that she remembers when she was a much younger girl going into uh, a shop and the shopkeeper. Molested her basically, like right. he, he right. uh, and sexually assaulted laughed. her. Right, he sexually assaulted her. Yeah, uh, and the uh, laugh as, is the connection between the two events, right? Exactly. And so right. the way that he uh, teases this out is that it's almost like I mean, this is what occurs to him. It's almost like the second scene caused the first one. Right. So it's almost like the laughter as a um, as a in her. Um, not an adult, but a young young adult. Uh, but like the laughter that she heard from the uh, shopkeepers later in life caused the first. Now, what he doesn't mean by that is like she invented this this trauma. He means that like what had happened was just so big it couldn't be incorporated into like her conscious her consciousness her like her her just the the way that she went through her days uh, her day to day life. Like it was just it was such it was such a such a trauma that like it couldn't be a part of how she walked around and thought about things. Uh, but when this second scene happens, it makes it as though the first one like occurred and, and right. in a sense it's, it's like, um, so the there, trauma gets this... attached to the second scene. Yes. Not the first, which is the not fascinating the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like the, um, so there's, there's an interesting thing where with, so trauma theory, at least, for, and and I think it's different now. I think even Kathy Carruth has come off of this position, but it was really dominant and important, which is just that like um, trauma is is utterly like unapprehendable. Like it's just it's a it's a total sejura, uh, and and a and a and a complete gap for the right. for the subject. Right. Right. And I think where there's this uh, this interesting twist from psychoanalysis, even now, um, is that like. Freud is kind of saying, like, yes, like, like, yes, I, I, yes, I agree. But just because you don't have the, like, progressive unfolding experience of it doesn't mean it's utterly inaccessible. In fact, you know, Emma's not, like, from its, this position later in life, is not accessing the the thing, that, that event exactly as it happened, probably not. But it's like, it's this, it's this torsion that the first right. scene, like, had to en- enable the second scene to even occur. So you can. I always think about it. I, 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 I when I explain this, I, I talk about like the. And I've said this before on this podcast. There's a car accident for me. I the, the traumatic brain injury. I do not remember the circumstances a- at all whatsoever. I do not literally do not have access to that to my traumatic brain injury. However, it <laughs> curved my everything after it. So. It's this, and, and and like it's it's this retroactive uh, uh, look uh, that 
is is the important thing for 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 psychoanalysis and even and also as we've said for for Hegel but like the different the difference and the very important difference is for Freud this is how trauma develops it's not this like it's, it's not, not narrative a, not, right? it's not na- exactly. narrative it's right. not a, and I, it's and it's especially it's not at like evolution is the way that you keep using that word as like something happens and then that's the the trauma that as as you move forward through time it yeah. can only be apprehended from a point of break right right don't you think it's fascinating for one of one just little observation freud does not say he just says and emma we found out later there was an earlier scene like he doesn't say like it, was he still pra- I assume that he was no longer practicing hypnosis or his, you know, that thing where he like mm-hmm. pushes on their head. Um, yeah, so yeah. I imagine it was through free association, right, that they got to that point. But it, yeah. he, it's funny because this is really a pre psychoanalytic work, right? Like, so it's not, he doesn't lay out how, I mean, basically, Freud here is talking about physiology in this most of this book, or he thinks he is. Lacan will mm-hmm. later say he's actually talking about the signifier, but. He thinks he's talking <laughs> yeah. about physiology in, in the nervous system. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that he doesn't say how he how they how the other story comes out, right? If it was unconscious and repressed, so that's that that that's just interesting. But but I I do think that I want to say so. Your the point is right that Hegel's notion of retroactivity and Freud's are going after two different things, but there isn't there a way that they are kind of doing the same thing because yeah. mm-hmm. Hegel's right. I think, yeah, I think this is, I, I do agree with this. I, I agree. Yeah. Saying. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that because what Hegel's interested in are precisely the interruptions within mm-hmm. the narrative that are inaccessible if you're telling it in a forward moving way. Right. And that's what the trauma is that Freud's interested in too. So yeah. there's it's a nice way to put together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a way, don't you, it's just fascinating that Freud really never read Hegel at all. <laughs> so it's interesting that he's taking this idea really from Hegel and, 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 and integrating it into the psychoanalytic project. Yeah. I mean, uh, you never heard me say that thing about live TV though, but you came to it. So it's, uh, you know, there you go. These, right. these things, right, these, right, right. These, no, these that's ha- true. No, no, but I don't, I, I make it a joke, but, but really what the point that, um, that you were trying to make then, and I'm trying to make with that little joke is that like, it's structurally the same thing. That's right. Like, they're, they're, or maybe not the same thing, but it's structurally aligned. Therefore, it you know they're they're the 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 point of overlap where you can see how the projects are interested in the same idea. Like, and and that 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 I think is kind of the like kind of the ball game. Like, it's that, fascinating just, yeah, because yeah. you know I think before uh, uh, what what's fascinating, of course, Lacan is influenced by Hegel through Kojev, right? Like that, mm-hmm. of course, that's true. But Freud, no one. I think prior to Slavoj, no one made this like intimate sense of the connection between Hegelian dialectics and psychoanalytic thought. You know, I just mm-hmm. don't think anyone did. So it's, it's it, now it seems like how can you miss it? But I, mm-hmm. but again, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. an effect itself of yeah, yeah, yeah. retroactivity or an octroglycite, right? Like that Slavoj yeah. changes the his intervention in 1989 in Sublime Object. Just change, even though that's not the book we're going to talk about today. Just mm-hmm. changes the terrain, and then all of a sudden, it's impossible to miss the ways in which Hegel and Freud are saying something that's so similar. You think? Yeah, I mean, we even had that. Um, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's the last uh, section of um, 
phenomenology we covered, but or 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 not. But it was um like maybe in an earlier era, you just would completely miss that Hegel literally talks about desire. <laughs> but now it seems like it's not possible. Like I mean, at least it wasn't possible for us to, as we went through it. Right. And right. um and, and you know and and there are other there are other things that even I, I think we're, we're probably at the end to again be performative of this kind of uh, retroactivity or just to like to show how it works when we finish um, up the phenomenology, I think we're going to do another uh, episode on the preface again to just like to go through it from have like having gone through the rest of the book. And there are just things in the preface that um, the last time that I taught it where I was like, this is, this is psychoanalysis. This is what, this is what he's doing is psychoanalysis when he's writing this. But, but again, it's like, you know, um, and maybe this, Todd, maybe this is our segue, unless we, we had more we wanted to say about Freud. No, no, no. Maybe I think it's a good time for a segue, yes. This is maybe our segue into Lacan, because what we, what, what we have here is a success of quilting point. Not a failure to communicate, but a success of quilting point. That's sort of the idea is that, like, you know, Zizek starting with Sublime Object, and again, we're, talk- we're going to talk about less than nothing later, um, the... It, it 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 quilts uh, Hegel and Freud and Lacan together in a way that it's like once you see it, it's like those um, you know, it's like those those drawings that are like two people's faces, and you only see the first person's face the first time you look at it, but then you just yeah. you look in a slight way, and then oh, then you see the other one, and then you can never see it the way you saw it the first time. Right. You can, the first viewing is out of your, it's, it's completely inaccessible for you. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't, you, you can't only see the, the one face because you can make your, you can do that, but you know of the other one. So you cannot see it the way that you saw it the first time ever again. That's the, that's a fascinating idea. Um, but how does Lacan, how does Lacan do this? How does he, so this is seminar three, right? Our, our, the seminar, we, we seem to come back to more and more, uh, and That's right. We I need to do to a full episode on, but we keep, yeah, we keep doing we keep putting bits. it off. <laughs> we, yeah, we keep we keep putting off delayed effect. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's yeah. Right. So yeah, it's in the it's in the, the so the, it's in the chapter, which is a, again, this is an amazing thing that Lacan devotes just one chapter in one book and then one reference somewhere else to it, to the point de capitan or the quilting point. Mm-hmm. And again, this mm-hmm. is a point that comes. This is a term that comes from the activity of quilting actually. <laughs> yes. So, so it's the thing that holds all the junk inside the quilt at a certain, at a certain points, right? So it's those little dots on the quilt. Those are the quilting points mm-hmm. and the, the translation for quilting point in French is point de capitan. So that's why that gets translated as quilting point. So the, in that section, a couple times he used the term Retroactivity, he says the quilting point is the point of convergence that enables everything that happens in a discourse to be situated retroactively and prospectively. So it's mm-hmm. really the thing that once I have that, I mean, he does, he has this other definition, right, where he says it's, it allows you to exchange all your fears for one single fear, so, which is usually the fear of yeah. God, right? So, mm-hmm. so that. I think that's an important. We can talk a little bit more about that way of thinking it, but but it's really for him the the point at which a sentence gets its meaning. I mean, I think you could say that the quilting point is the basis for Lacan's own ostracization from the rest of the psychoanalytic establishment because it's the basis for the short session. It's the basis for the the whole idea is that I'm going to quilt the psychoanalytic session at a certain point, not at 
fifty minutes or forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Instead, mm-hmm. at the point which you know where the there's something important that's been said, and then once the quilt happens, then all of a sudden meaning is generated, right? It's it's the yeah. the end point is generative of the meaning that comes before it. It's not like the meaning all exists and then it comes to an end. So it's again this Hegelian way of narrating history, and you do that in a psychoanalytic session by stopping at a certain point. Yeah, and it, it, this is, um, so yeah, so two things on this. Um, this is the thing that got, eventually would get um, Lacan kicked out of the IPA. Um, right. It, his, his attempt to bring this into uh, practice, which is, um, as so usually, usually gets, you see it online, um, as what Lacan did was called the variable, variable length session or the short session. But for our purposes, and I think I've, I've phrased it this way before, for our purposes, and just also to like to actually see the thing he was trying to do. And Todd and I are no <laughs> we're no no defenders of of, uh, of of Lacan personally, but like there is an idea here. And if you understand what he was doing as a punctuated session, right? Then you see the idea, and that's how that's right. so the. So that was his that was his idea that like the second that a, the you know someone the, that a patient said something that exceeded them sessions off it's over right you 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 go now and you have the you have the you have the revelation outside and, and you got to think about it right you have to yeah you have to spend your time contemplating it. it's funny because I had a I had an interaction with a student a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And I, I just had to go, right? Like, I just had to leave. It was no reflection on the student at all. This student was heavily Lacanian. Mm-hmm. And the student says to me, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about the point at which you punctuated our discussion. And I, I'm like, oh, well, okay. But, I mean, what's interesting, like, I didn't mean to punctuate it. But, but what's interesting is that works, even mm. if it was totally random, yeah. Why? How you punctuated it, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it gets the person thinking, like, okay, why did they punctuate it like that? And then they can, because it gets the unconscious activated, right? So yeah. that's the whole point about the punctuated session. That even if the analyst misses it, mm-hmm. they kind of hit it because you, you're going to get this unconscious activity around this, this certain, this certain point. I think. I would even argue that it's um, for what Lacan uh, ends up theorizing as is what the end of analysis looks like. I almost think it's better if it is random because in the beginning, like your like your student is invested in the idea that you had some purpose behind it. So right. it's it's so th- there's there's uh, there's an investment in like a position of the master, right? For you, but the more that it's random. I think the more that like the student, the you know the uh, the the patient, the analyze and like would just uh, would say like um, maybe he doesn't really know what he's doing. Right, and right. Like y- the, yeah. the person ceases to be the subject supposed to know. Right, exactly. Like it, exactly. It really helps to deflate that. The, the, what does the con call it? Like the desupposition of knowledge. Right. Like it yeah. helps to mm-hmm. it helps that process go along, and then you confront the absence. You know the, the the emptiness of the master signifier, which is the whole point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so. Yeah, that's that's excellent. That was the, that's the first thing. Second thing, the um, uh, Slavoj has a really good um discussion of uh quilting point in looking awry. I'm forgetting page numbers. I don't have it in front of me, but he talks about it, and we may have even talked about it before this way. Um, 
uh, as it regards the end of Casablanca. And oh, right. there's, right. there's this story, there's this like myth that um, th- the screenwriters, of which there were like four for um, Casablanca, um, the, uh, one, of, one of which, uh, was it? It's um, Theo Epstein, general manager, former general manager of the Red Sox and <laughs> Chicago Cubs, his grandfather, uh, well, um, uh, that they, did, they didn't know what, they didn't know how to end it. And then, right. and then like as it unfolded, as they shot the film, you know, Michael Curtis, the director, that they came up with the ending. Like later. Bogart and, think, and Curtis and Bergman came up with it, right? Yeah. That's the yeah. myth. That's the myth. And I think I think part of part of what supports the myth is that the um Louis, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That was done later. You know, like that's 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 eight that's um I think ADR as they as they call it as a production thing, right? Like that's right, right. That, that's added on to the right. to the Because you don't tape. You see their lips move even, right? Like they're walking no. away. Yeah. They're yeah, walking yeah. away. Camp yeah, it's like a maybe a crane shot or something, like it's it's much right. higher than they are. But um it's just not true. Like the ending was it was uh, was you know before they even began production they had the ending but what Slavoj's point is is that the way that this gets talked about or the re- part of what supports the myth uh is that it just seems so it's so like what people say is like it seems so organic like and, and you'll you'll even hear this i think today when people when things have a good ending it's like oh it's just like you know you you didn't it wasn't predictable but it's just like it's so natural seeming like like it flows out of everything that came before it that they're right. very again he focuses on that word organic feeling and then his point is that like it only feels that way after it happened it only feels that way because of the way that it acts as a quilting point the way that it quilts the rest and he said and i think he's right about this if any number of like two or three other things had happened like if bogart killed um uh, paul henry's character right that is paul henry yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Victor Laszlo. If he killed Laszlo, Victor yeah. Laszlo, you would think you would think the same thing. If Bergman, if if Ingrid Bergman's character left both of the men, for example, that would also like you know, or if she killed Victor Laszlo, like the like th- that any of them would have been like, oh my god, I didn't see that coming, but it makes perfect sense just because of the way that the like because of the way the preceding narrative is told. So. But none um, of those it, seem as good to me, Ryan. No, I, I think that's probably true. But as a thought experiment, I think it, it supports yeah. his point. Yeah, it, which but is, it is interesting. Yeah. Like, okay, so I just saw Casablanca the night before because I went down to, did to visit. Really? I did Wednesday night. I went down to see mm-hmm. Rick Boothby, and we all so all both of our groups went out to see Casablanca. And what was fascinating was after the film. Rick Boothby recounted the very myth you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I'm sorry, I think that's not true. (laughs) But but what (laughs) what, what he said was he had a great, I'm not going to recount it here because this isn't a show on Casablanca, but he had such a fascinating reading of the film. It was really the best reading I've ever had. And and it was one of those things where it was so, he's like, I'm like, God, I would really love to put that in my book because it was about enjoyment. I'd really love to put that in my book on political enjoyment, but I just, I just can't like, it's just too, it's too good of it's by you. And he's like, no, no, no. He goes, I bequeath it to you. But, but it was one of those things, like I said this to you before, like it was, it was such a good point that I, I just, even writing it, like I would have felt, I just wouldn't feel right. I couldn't, I just, I'd feel like I was just on some, like other, someone else's terrain or something. But so to, so to be, so to be clear, you're not teasing me and the listener. You, or sorry, you are teasing me and the listener, but you're doing it for ethical reasons. Is that just to be clear? 
Uh, yeah, just because of the time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, all right, all right. But all right. I will at some point, div- maybe we'll do an episode on Casablanca, and sure. I will divulge what I okay. think is the definitive unsurpassable reading of the film wow. given by him. So I, well, I, I don't I, even know it. So I would, can we just schedule it? Let's just do that episode so I can hear it. Okay. Let's do great. it next. We'll do our yeah. next episode. will be on Casablanca. Okay. Hey, Hey, all so right. there the we lesson go. is watch Casablanca, but let's continue with the that's right. There we go. We got, yes. we already have the lesson. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, but I think your point his his, by the way, his reading of the film and he, he thinks they were struggling to get the right ending to make the point that he thinks the film makes. Okay. So that's okay. interesting. So, okay. but I think, but, but I, I think that what you were saying, it's just, so, it's, it's so contagious that idea mm-hmm. that the ending is up for, you know, the ending could be, you know, that could be anything and that, that, that we, you know, it ends in a certain way. And like that, that I think that it, what Slavoj's point is, of course, that, that the ending makes, makes the meaning of the film, right? Mm-hmm. And I think and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that is in keeping with what Rick is is saying, I think. And mm-hmm. but I guess what he what he his I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm not going to tell you what it is until next time. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but, right. uh, but I do think it's it's interesting that 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 it requires a certain ending. And I think that's why mm-hmm. I have a you know this about me that I have a my 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 one son hates this, but that I'll say, look, that series would have been phenomenal if it just ended here and yep. didn't keep okay. going to that, right? Like, my idea is that Mad Men really ended it at the end of season six, where Don Draper takes his kids to see the, the brothel where he grew up. My mm-hmm. idea is Breaking Bad really ends when Hank sees the Walt Whitman poetry, like, and everything after right. that is just... We, is, we did the, we did definitely do this on the show. And what right, we, we did both to, those on the show, actually. We right. did both those, right. and what we what we came to was that, um, or I, I think, I don't know in which episode that w- w- it was we did this. It might have been the Breaking Bad episode, it might have been the Twin Peaks, I'm not sure. But what we came to is that the for for you, and I think you're right about this, the end, and, and, and I think this is a, a crucial idea, because it, it also gets back to to Hegel and one of the, like a, a kind of a, a question or a supposition that we sort of like left. And I want to pick it up here, which is that like, especially for history, how do you know when there is the end? Like, and, and does that not just defer almost to a useless position uh, of, of, of retroactivity, the, the work of the, of the, you know, historical philosopher or, or the work of the, you know, the, the psychoanalyst that like something has to happen. Cause you're always coming too late. Yes, exactly. As a theorist, right, 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 right. The right. Whole, so, I mean, that's the essence of the Owl of Minerva idea, right? Like, yes. In a way, Hegel says, "Look, sorry, you're as a thinker, you're too late on the scene, right? Like, you're." But I think, but I think your I, idea is is that if it ends yeah. on that, you wait for so um, that what happens with well, what happens with Breaking Bad and Mad Men, I think, is that like the the series end upon. Uh, a, a dialectical synthesis as in not what Hegel's project is, but what right. the, um, the better, more propitious ending would be to end on Abjaya. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and I, I think, think I, yeah. And I think if Hegel had that, I wonder if Hegel had that idea. If Well, I think said, he does kind of have that idea because, so? okay. yeah, I do because he, I think he's saying like, isn't that what absolute idea or absolute knowing is for him? Right. Like, yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's, isn't it the point of grasping the gap and seeing mm-hmm. how what we end on is the gap, is the contradiction, mm-hmm. is the point of failure. 
which he names absolute, right? So he thinks somehow, not somehow, I think he thinks rightly that the system, the whole of this, grasping the system finally as a whole is also grasping the H-O-L-E whole of objea within the system, right? Like Nicely I think done. That, you're, you, you, Todd is kind of paraphrasing me in this essay that will be published. I, I, okay, that's right. I, <laughs> it's very good. Uh, or I'm plagiarizing you. Or you're plagiarizing. Yeah, so, because yeah. I have read it. So, yes. so, yeah, so I think that that, I think that that's really true in Hegel, and I think that's mm-hmm. the link between Hegelian retroactivity and Freudian noctreglichite and Lacanian mm-hmm. uh, point de capitaine. Like, I think that's how all those things come together, is that they bring together this, let's even call it this suturing of the whole mm. with the identification of the gap within. And I think you're right. Like, the end, the final end of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. like, that, that 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 horrible thing that Vince Gilligan says about Walt goes out like a man, right? Like, like a goddamn man. Yeah, that's right. what he says. Yep. Like yep. The, it's just mm-hmm. horrible, but it's yeah. kind of true, which is mm-hmm. suggest that there is a problem, right? Like mm-hmm. suggest mm-hmm. that it misses. And he dies amid the final shot is him lying amid the all the, the meth production machinery, right? So mm-hmm. as if he's like gone to heaven almost. So yeah. there so I, I think, think Badfinger is the only thing diet that uh, non-diegetically rescues that as a, it's as a, pretty great. I know, yeah. I know, yeah. I know. Because what's the first line of of Baby Blue? It's uh, it's it's a pretty good line. I think it's like um, it's something about. about I'm looking the, it up. <laughs> I'm looking it up because we gotta gotta get it right. Uh, let's see. I think it's. I think is it. I never thought. Is that how it begins? Oh no! No yes, no! I guess I, guess I got, I got what, I what I deserve. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. So that so yeah. so. That kind of does get the kind of—the problem is, of course, that's open to interpretation. Like, he gets yeah. what he deserves. He gets to die among the meth cookery, right? Like, mm. but but I think I think it's more the other meaning, right? Like, that he yeah. he gets—he he kind of gets his just desserts. And I think mm-hmm. that's pretty— that's pretty good. So you're, I, I, I do think you're right that that, 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 that that extra diegetic song is the only thing that mm-hmm. redeems that, that sequence. It's a little— would you? Would you? And I don't. I don't want to relitigate this uh, necessarily, but it, it's a nice, like, um, it's a nice argument to say that, like, yeah, obviously it's totally extra diegetic in a tech, in a technical production because it's over the action. But right. I think there's a little bit of it, like this is like the the unconscious. That's calling. playing in Walt's head. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, a little. Yeah. It's a little like um, when I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a reference at you. It's a little bit like in the uh, story Hands in uh, Winesburg, Ohio, that there's this call to Wing Biddlebaum oh, yeah. that like doesn't it actually it doesn't come from anybody. He gets yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, he gets told to like to fiddle to to fix his hair or whatever, and he's completely bald and he fiddles with his like forehead. And the it's like the call comes across the field. I think I don't know if that's how it's written in the book, but yeah. it it doesn't come from a single person. And it's like Not it's coming from, from yeah. the unconscious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. good. I think that's right. So, so the proper reading of that song is as a diegetic. Yeah, as a diegetic would, song. Yeah, I would argue. I that's yeah. Anyway, but but the point is that that I think, other than that, it really we really don't get this. I don't know this sense of the of the two things together, right? The completion mm-hmm. that opens up the gap, which is I think what the that for Lacan, for Hegel, for Freud, like that's what the real point of retroactivity does achieve. Yeah, and right? I think those three have to be put together because I don't 
know so he doesn't write it this way. I think we can we can make it work with his with his ideas. But Lacan doesn't have Abjaya in his toolbox at yet. At the time, he, right, 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 at, right, right. At the time of 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 seminar three. So and he's also not referencing trauma, in when he talks about quilting point. Um, uh, Zizek doesn't when he writes about uh, Casablanca. He's talking about narrative and when the way that Lacan employs. Uh, quilting point as part of the punctuated session is about the patient's narrative. So there's the narrative thing, and uh, it's really it's really Freud who has the like the that that very important piece uh, about only like, Freud. trauma. This yeah only, only Freud, Freud about this traumatic gap, this traumatic break. Right, and, right, right. And this it's is interesting where, how that yeah. it, that that Lacan. Re- this is where he's at his most Hegelian. Yeah. And where he's missing the traumatic... I mean, it's funny. I guess it's because mm-hmm. he doesn't have Abjai yet, right? That he doesn't... I think so. He doesn't have that, yeah. Yeah, but if it's, it slots in nicely. Uh, so right. I, I think... It, and, I, and, and, and again, it, this is a... Um, you know, it's, it's a hap axe, as they say. It's the only time he really... He talks about quilting point anyway. That's so, right. like, it, it's not... I don't think it's... it's uh, I don't think it's scholarly... Uh, scholarly inappropriate to... Um, to like import the other the, thing. Back yeah, import it. the other. Yeah, idea. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, I, I've always, I always find it fascinating that not only does Lacan have no time where he brings together his whole structure of how signification functions, but no critic of Lacan has ever done that either, right? Yeah, like it's, it's so funny. I just think it's, I don't understand it really. Like, why mm. hasn't someone just? written a book saying this is how signification is structured and this is where subjectivity fits in. And, mm. you know, they just, just no one has done that. I think that, I mean, I think to, I think we, we will have to leave that to another podcast, but I think that the, um, I think the key would be in the ideas that he references once and making them work with. The I, I agree. That he talks agree. About agree. Like, like how do you fit the quilting point Das Ding together with the, all yeah. the things like master signifier, binary signifier, yes. things that get Abjaya, repeated again, yeah. object that get repeated again and again and yep. again. Yeah, signifier yes. represents the subject to another signifier. Right, yep. subjectivity. Yep. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think so. That's it. That's another one. I'm gonna write that one down. Um, th- so our next our next stop on this journey, next stop on the journey, it, yes, is uh, Laplanche who. Takes who um, takes the same translation as Lacan, right? So it's it's après yeah. coup, après is coup. the term that he uses, and in his his main essay dealing with this is notes on after, and it's translated by I think by this guy Luke Thurston, who's a psychoanalytic friendly guy or psychoanalytic mm-hmm. theorist himself. Um, it gets translated as notes on afterwardness, which I mm. I you know <laughs> for better or worse, I guess we yeah, can say yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, afterwards. So this and this this is interesting. So um, for Laplanche, he um, he does not be- believe this is. You tell me if this is a fair way of characterizing it. Okay. He does not believe in the. Um, hmm. All right. Okay. He does not. I, I would say he does not believe in the um, indestructibility of the uh, unconscious. Insofar as he doesn't believe that we come with it. He believes this right. is like kind of. Uh, I'm going to use imposed the phrase, on us. I think. Yeah, it's imposed. I was going to say gifted, but as like a gift, only in the German sense. sense. Do you know that the yeah. German word "das Gift"? You know what it means? It means no, poison. 
That's it's, amazing. It, it just, you're, you're, it almost can't be true, but it, That's it actually so is true. Yes, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So, yeah. so the unconscious is gifted to us and that German uh, understanding right. uh, by our, by our parents. This is right. Laplanche's idea. Yeah. Um, is that, is that fair? That's right. No, absolutely fair. It's like a, it's like a poison put in us by the parents. It's like a, it's like Laplanche basically generalizes uh, Catholic priests. Okay. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he basically thinks like everyone is a victim of a, 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 a sexual imposition by their parents unconscious okay. on them. Uh, okay. Right? Oh yeah, 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 right, right, right. Okay. You know that what I'm saying? Like, it, like and, yeah, the, that was the piece I was missing. The, the, and the, 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 the violence the, is very palpable for him. Like it's very, the violence of that, everybody endures, everyone is introduced into their sexu- sexual sexuality through this violent imposition by the parental sexual, their sexual being or their unconscious sexual mm-hmm. being. Okay. So that is Laplanche's position. And so for, for him, what, what, what you got, this is how the un- unconscious is formed in his system yeah. is there's this inscrutable message of the other, in this case, the parent. That's why child. it's violent too, Ryan, I yeah. think, because it's yeah, inscrutable, yeah, yeah. right? I think yeah, there's a yeah. link between that, right? Yeah. So there's this inscrutable message that has to then be interpreted by the child. Right. And that's formative of the, of, of, of the unconscious. And so I think, so. And you're the, always um, interpreting it too late. So that's the where the yeah, retroactivity yeah, yeah. comes in or afterwardness. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think our, our little, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give him short shrift. Um, but I literally know that you don't have a ton of time today. So, uh, and I know we got to talk about Slavoj, but the, I think, for for us, so so this can be punctuated quite randomly. I think it is will what be I'm, punctuated. What I'm, yes, what yes. I'm thinking. Um, so the um, the thing the thing for for Laplanche that I, I think um, doesn't totally work for us is that like the, the this two this uh, the way this works is a little like um, when one of the ideas fails, the other one rushes in to to fill I think in that's the gap. Right. It's really good. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so you ha- so you have when so okay. So if the child is interpreting the message from the parents, it can't be it completely inscrutable, but it's the inscrutability of the message is the thing that causes the violence on the child, but like so like so okay, so it, these two things are like right, you got on the one hand it's an enigmatic message and then on the other hand you got the interpretation of the child. Well, it can't be right. enigmatic completely or inscrutable if it is interpreted. But right actually we have to maintain that it is enigmatic and inscrutable and that the interpretation that like the, the violence occurs here because it's not a complete interpretation, but also the parents, I mean, they can't be in, they're certainly not in control of their own message making either in this scenario. Otherwise right. consciously they wouldn't do this to their child. So I think these things kind of like they, they, they don't, it, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a tension or a contradiction that is a, a, a approach. It's just the, um, Almost like a, despite the idea of violence that's here, um, it's almost too smooth of a functioning. I think that's right. I think, isn't it, isn't it too dualistic, right? Like, isn't it, on the one hand, you have the parental violence and their, their imposition. And then the other hand, you have this retroactive afterward, afterward, afterwardness interpretation by the subject, right? So what, there's no notion (laughs) in Laplanche of 
well, wait a minute, maybe the child is fantasizing something about what the parents are imposing on it, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's to me, and, and of course, maybe it's not just the parents, like maybe there's some other forces at work too, um, which he, I don't think he would care about that. I mean, I think he would think mm-hmm. that's fine. But but the point is that that I don't think it can be totally inscrutable, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it has to be in some way registered by the subject right. for it to ever perform its afterward interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always, even as it happens, being interpreted. Isn't that one of the ideas of retroactivity or nectroglycite that Laplanche gets wrong? That it's not just, it doesn't just happen afterward once and for all. Mm. It's happening afterward all the time Yeah, as we're going along, right? Like the whole, like, I'm never just having an experience. I'm having experience and I'm Every second after it, I'm interpreting what happened in that experience, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm constantly doing that. It's it's interesting. I mean, I think like our, our disagreement here um, is uh, I, w- I would cast it as a slight but significant because I don't dispute the idea of having to interpret parental uh, demands or or, I, I, or or even their unconscious desire. Like I don't I don't dispute that as a as a violent absolutely. Thing. I think that's absolutely, absolutely right. Absolutely I think right. That yeah. I think that it's the it's the way that it arrives in the theory as this like kind of a yin and yang of the uh, of, of of the of of the of the phenomenology of the subject. I, I think is 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 kind of I kind of I think it was what you and I are reacting to that it's like um, and especially this as you just put it uh, this this kind of thing it happens all the time and if it hap- and I and I and I would have to say this too that th- this would require a little bit of work. If, since this does happen all the time, like I think, I think that even within his system, you'd, you'd have to say this. It's not, it's not like one absorbs all the the psychic blows from from one's parents, and then there's like you know one time of afterwardsness of right. trying to interpret right. it. It's happening every single time. I think the idea is that because it happens all the time, it actually blunts the edge of that violence, and then that violence has to become something else. And right. so that would that would be my offer on on in, of of kind of no I like that a lot make it a little more dialectical and not make it so dualistic yeah yeah, yeah I think that's the thing right like I think his because then the problem won- is that the violence the violence becomes regular and then that like so then now what do we do with that contradiction how do we how do we push that forward right anyway, right yeah. right and you got to make you got to understand it as regular since it happens all the time in his accounting yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which right. which it, which goes back to um, I think something that, that I said at the beginning, where where one of the things that I like about psychoanalysis is it does focus on the like the mundane. I mean, this is like the, this Freud's thing, right? It's, it's the mundane experience that has in it the traumatic kernel, and 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 it's it's only really through the through the mundane that the trauma is is accessible. I think that that's to me one of the great insights. Great of, uh, yeah. of, of of psychoanalysis, yeah, which is which is interesting because it goes precisely against the will self article mm-hmm. that you opened the podcast with. That he, yeah, like he 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 wants to resist this making every day of trauma where <laughs> and yeah. but Freud, that's the essence of Freud's contribution. I think not to say like oh everyone suffers but trauma, but suffers from trauma. But in a way, yeah, that's like that's the point, right? Like to see the way in which that trauma is ingrained within the everyday. And that, like, once you see that, then you're able to reinterpret the everyday in a different, in a different light. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no. So I, yeah, no. So I like this. I, I mean, this is why I think in this schema, like you know, we we've not brought up uh, Laponche just to to disagree with him, but to like because he shows something different. He brings us back to the um to the to the mundane of right. Freud. I I, right. I I think. Um, I think and, that's right. And, I think that's right. And 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 I, I think enables this uh, further uh, theorization uh, of it of what he had set down. Uh, in the project, but then kind of stepped away from. And as I said, like there's, I mean, I could even tell you, uh, cause I have it written down where the, where the times that he even brings up deferred action. It's in, um, sexuality and the etiology of the neuroses, which is interesting because etiology meaning the, like this, um, backwards causality. So right. Like it seems like still- it, it seems like that's the last place he would be talking about it. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. he's talking about the origin of the neurosis. Right. And right. Yet, right. Right. He talks about it through retroactivity. Which is very important, and there's a one reference to it: interpretation of dreams, uh, and the and then history of infantile neurosis, and and I think that's it. Those are the four references that, that I that, that I was yeah. able to find. But the most interesting one is, of course, in, uh, in project, project and how it yeah. inflects and informs the rest of uh, his thinking. Which Tom McGowan takes us to our last. All right, you want to you want to you want to you want to set this one up. This is in I, this is in Zizek's Less Than Nothing, which I think And it could be any we could be talking about any text really, right? I yeah. Mean, because he brings this up all the time, but all the time. I think in Less Than Nothing there is the this gets clarified in a way that I'm not sure it's clarified in the other works that and that is Slavoj wants to link freedom mm. to retroactivity, right? So this is on yes. page 213 of of less than nothing. He says, freedom is inherently retroactive as it, at its most elementary. It is not simply a free act which, out of nowhere, starts a new causal link, but a retroactive act of determining which link or sequence of necessities will determine us. And I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty great definition of freedom. I'm not sure if I totally subscribe, but I think it's pretty great to think, okay, you're free because you choose which thing is going to be the cause that you're going to accept as what's caused you, you know, like, so you, you are determined in all these ways, right? But you Mm -hmm. get to determine which determination is the decisive one, you know? So I think, yeah, Yeah. I just, I find that just such a fascinating conception, both of freedom and a turn in the way that we've understood retroactivity or nectroglycite. And it's certainly a, like, my God, just think how different of a conception that is of freedom from the Sartrean, even though, Mm-hmm. There are certain links with the Sartrean idea, I think, but but it's it's it, it's a way of, of of integrating Sartrean freedom with psychoanalysis and and, yeah, and, and th- Hegel and et cetera, right? It's I think that's I think it's fascinating. It's it's also interesting that um, so here's where uh, oh, there's a little bit of Laplanche because the interpretation is active on the part of the subject, which is what I think, or uh, like maybe it's, uh, the interpreting that the child does in, in Laplanche's, uh, I don't know that. I don't know. What do you, what would you say that? Is that unconscious or is that like, a, a Oh, it's totally unconscious. Con- right. Totally, totally unconscious. unconscious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so it's the, the activity of the unconscious, but it's the, it's a, um, I, I think more, uh, agentializing, I guess. Yeah. In, in, in both. Whereas I think for Freud, it's a pure encounter. Right, right, right. So There's no freedom. He doesn't see Emma as discovering her freedom through retroactivity no. in any way. I don't think so way. at all. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So that's an interesting departure. I think that's um, like, I think that, that like that line from, uh, from less than nothing it works really well with every, I think with everyone except for Freud. And yeah. this, like, like it doesn't, cause I, I think that, um, that trauma piece is still not there, which I think he's the only person, which is a kind of interesting. It's the only one it, like it wasn't published while he was living. I know. You know? So, I know. so it, it, and, and this is precisely like, and this is precisely what I'm trying to work out in the article that is coming out next month is, is like, how do we, how, what do we do with this piece? Like, uh, because like, is it, um, yeah. I mean, like, cause every, everybody else has kind of left it. A right. Little bit. I, I think that's right. I think, I yeah. think th- that is not emphasized in Slavoj's account. It's not emphasized in Hegel's for the reason that he didn't have an, any understanding of trauma. And as right? we Except, said about Laplanche, it happens so often that it has to, like, it just has to blunt the edges to regular. Right. So and Lacan clearly is taking, like, with the idea, by making it into a, stru- a, a, like, part of structural linguistics almost. Yeah. Yeah, He's yeah, taking yeah. the traumatic element out of it, especially because he doesn't have a concept of objet when he just develops the idea mm-hmm. of, of the quilting point. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a real, and and Slavoj, I fear, is guilty of the same thing. Although, you know, he he is moving it to a totally new ground. Well, but this would this would be the op- this would be as I learned when I worked at Walmart. This would be the area of opportunity because <laughs> it's the um, <laughs> it's. Can he, you explain that? Because I, I know you have said it before on the podcast, but I'd, I'd like you to just explain it. Oh, yeah, I've totally explained it. I'll try to give another example. There are no problems at Walmart. There are only areas of opportunity. Areas of opportunity, right. That's just, just like if there's just a, like I've told this, I, know, I think I've told this story twice, that like a dog took a dump. It was a, a seeing eye dog in training. A dog took a dump in sporting goods, and they over the walkie-talkie was announced there is an area of opportunity for custodial worker in sporting goods. It's like, no, it's not. It's just, it's a pile of dog shit, but it's just, it's everything. Like people would walk through and like, there'd be CDs off the shelf or whatever, or just like, like something. It was like, look, there's a lot of area of areas of opportunity here. And I was just so frustrated by that sanitized corporate language, but it's very useful because, uh, yeah. like, because, and in fact, I, well, so it's kind the, of dialectics, isn't it? I mean, it is, <laughs> it is, but it's, it's synthetic dialectics, right? right like I know, it, I know. It, yeah. So that's the problem, but I think it can be rectified to, um, to like, to, to take a reconciliation approach to the contradiction itself. He puts, yeah. I think this is really important on 213, that, that line you quoted in less than nothing, freedom is in quotation marks. And so I think. Freedom is thus inherently retroactive at its most elementary. It's not simply a free act, which out of nowhere starts a new causal link, but a retroactive act of determining which link or sequence of necessities will determine us. I think it's not out of bounds to make that, like that act of freedom is traumatic. Yeah. And is the yeah. only way it can be uh, conceived as freedom is through like the, 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 like the trauma of, of like like a genuine free act has to cause some sort of subjective sacrifice, especially it because can't. it's excessive, right? Like yes. like this this is yeah. where he he then later goes, just in the in the par- two paragraphs following this to distinguish Hegel from Spinoza, right? Like for Spinoza, freedom is just recognized necessity, and yeah. for Slavoj, freedom is recognized necessity with this act added on the top of it, right? So yeah. which doesn't yeah. fit in, and because it's excessive. And thus it's traumatic, right? I think I think yes. you're right yeah. to read it that way, right? So yeah. so in a way, Slavoj is actually bringing together Freud and Hegel here and, and, and preserving the trauma. The other, I mean, what he's adding is 
and, and I think this, this aspect of his thought just goes unremarked upon. He's mm. adding a real Sartrean existentialist dimension yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. that project, I think, the, the Lacanian, Hegelian, Freudian well, this project. Is, this is your, your great unwritten project. That's right. It's my, yeah, the, my, my yeah. Uh, what's it going to be called? Um, psychoanalytic existentialism or something like mm-hmm, that? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Never yeah. to be written. I want to always have it in the future, so I never, you know, so I'll be able to die not having, I, you know, I, I always thought it'd be sad to, you know, like I always think of, this is probably wrong, but I always okay. think of Wells as kind of sad. Like he made his great film yeah. so early. So I like the yeah. idea of like, oh, I'm going to always be looking forward to writing that thing that I'll, I'll never, I'll never write. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, interesting. I mean, I think you it's should probably worse. It. Yeah, I should. Yeah, yeah. you probably. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure you yeah. have some of it written anyway. The, I probably have, no, you know, yeah. 500 pages laying around written. Yeah. But. That's uh, that's a that's a flex, kids. That's what that no, is. No, that's not a flex. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't a flex. That was a that was an attempt at showing my the pathos lying behind my what I've done. Uh, anyway, yeah. but no, I, I want to just I want to end with uh, mm. so so uh, I'm going to go a little. Of course, watch Casablanca is yeah, definitely. That's the lesson in the background. But my the other lesson is to read. So I this isn't just a shout out because I think it's a really good book. So I have a colleague named Andrew Barnaby. Okay. Yeah. And he wrote a book called Coming Too Late on Belatedness. So oh, okay. it's interesting. I mean, it would be an even better book if the spelling of coming too late was slightly different. <laughs> but but uh But is he getting that is he getting that published by anybody reputable? <laughs> no, it's at SUNY. So it already is oh, out. No, it's no, all, no. it's been if out. He, it's been out. No, I was gonna say if if he I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know that Penthouse is doing philosophy these days. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, he he should have sent a different version to the Penthouse yeah. forum if they that still yeah, exists. But yeah, but he did not. Um, and I I always say to him, well, you know, coming too late is much better than coming too soon. Too soon. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.